Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Hello, Kevin and Lisa here with another episode of How to Catholic. It's season two, episode six, How to Ordinary Time. Make it extraordinary. So we're in ordinary time right now, which means there's nothing really going on in the church, right? Wrong. Ordinary time has some amazing opportunities for us to grow in our faith. Today we're going to be looking at the why and the ways that we mark time and seasons and how those affect our faith so very much. So who has more influence on your life? The secular calendar or the church calendar? We'll look at three invitations that the church gives us during this ordinary time to help us thrive in our faith. Stay right here. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, Lisa, I welcome you to this podcast, but I was thinking more our listeners. Oh, hello. I'm excited about this episode today. We're going to be talking about a few things involving the liturgical year. And Lisa, you love the liturgical year. I do. Have we mentioned that on the podcast before? We have mentioned (laughs) on the podcast before. We've done episodes on Advent. Yes. And on Lent yes. and Easter, as far as like the big liturgical seasons, we, we're probably just missing Christmas. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the future. Mm-hmm. It's only 12 days, so it's, it's hard to pull a lot out of 12 days. But the thing is about all those seasons, they're, that's Christmas is 12 days. A lot of those others are obviously under 50 days. The big one is ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Ordinary time, it's green, it's great. So it's kind of like, it's ordinary. What's there to talk about? But we want to see, kind of in light of the whole year, um, Advent and Lent are seasons of preparation. Christmas and Easter are seasons of celebration. It's kind of like high seasons and low seasons. But then we have ordinary time. That's right in the middle, but it's, it's the longest season. Like, how do we make the most of this time? And why would we even care about ordinary time? What does the church even, like, have ordinary time? You know, it's, hey, mm-hmm. we have this time. It's super ordinary. Yeah, and we're in it right now. So I think it's exciting to talk about ordinary time because there's several reasons why I love ordinary time, even though it's just ordinary. First of all, ordinary time. Well, this is a tip I learned from um, being a catechesis of the Good Shepherd assistant. And I really was an assistant. (laughs) I'm not certified. (laughs) I was there and... Were you assistant to the (laughs) catechesis director? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I just was there for numbers, you know. You got to make sure your ratios are correct. (laughs) So, um, But there's a little song they do with them about the liturgical year. Oh, please, please tell me what the song is. Well, in in the verses, green is for the growing time. I was really hoping you'd sing it. Oh, no. (laughs) Nobody wants me to sing. That is my promise to you. I will not sing on this (laughs) podcast. I don't make that promise. I might sing, and I have, yeah, I have no problem with that. You're welcome to sing. I will keep my pride. Um, So green is for the growing time. I'll lose my pride. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) So really what they're trying to teach the kids, and it's true. So they talk about like um, purples for preparation and white is for celebration and green is for the growing time. So it's not supposed to be a time that's just fallow or stagnant or, you know, it's like our break or something. Like we take a break from the growing in our faith. No, it's supposed to be a time to grow. So there's something for us in ordinary time, something that the church is inviting us to. So that's that's the first reason why I care about ordinary time. Secondly, 
and and for me more importantly why I care about ordinary time is because it's a part of our our culture living the liturgical year and entering into each individual season and what it has for us as a part of our culture and quite frankly we've we've lost the culture war it's no longer a Christian society that we live in. We live in a post-Christian culture. We do. And there's a lot of books and people writing about this right now. Um, the Benedict Option, that's something that we're listening to right now, very much on this how do we live in this post-Christian world. Uh, Archbishop Chaput's latest book. Mm-hmm. Strangers in a Strange Land. Very, very much focuses on this idea, not an idea, on this reality that we live in a post-Christian world. And so for me preserving our Catholic culture and the way that we live our Catholic culture isn't just about, oh, that's cute, that's fun, that's nice. It's actually imperative. I I think that we can see, and you'll see in this episode as we go through some things, how the secular world has really taken a lot of our traditions and turned them into their own traditions. And we're, we're losing a lot of the rhythm that used to be the Catholic liturgical year and the way that our society used to function and the way that we used to interact as a community used to all be based around the liturgical year. And and that's not the case anymore. Yeah. No. And if you look at just in the past of secular cultures or religious cultures, the, the calendar is a key instrument to reinforce that culture or to destroy culture. So a quick example would be Napoleon. Napoleon takes over France wants to make a secular society, and one of the first things that he does along the way is that he changes the calendar. Instead of making a seven-day week, which is based off of God's creation and, and, and coming out of Scripture, he creates a 10-day week and a three-day weekend because he wants to absolutely destroy the culture that's been built up in the Catholic Church and the rhythm of life as well. And I don't think our secular world is as um, like uh, intentional, intentional yeah, as Napoleon, but it still does. And so what we celebrate and what we give our time towards and what we highlight is a huge part of our culture. And so just, I think it's so, like you said, imperative that we are able to do this to really make sure that we're living out a Catholic life and not one that's uh, mainly influenced by the culture, which yeah. isn't Christian. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. So today we're going to look at three invitations from the church that they give us through this uh, the calendar to help us grow and our Catholic faith. In particular, we're going to be looking at ordinary time. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And you'll see these things, you know, they kind of thread throughout the whole year. But when we're in the seasons of Advent or Lent, there's usually things that we're, we're focusing on. Yep. And so I think that it's important to understand that there are focuses that the church gives us, even in ordinary time. Yep. And so we're going to look at three of those invitations. And, and for some of you, you might be like, Lisa, you love the liturgical year. Like people ask you about ordinary time and you light up and you're excited. <laughs> Uh, that's how you know somebody loves the liturgical calendar. And like, let me tell you about ordinary time. Um, others of you might be like, I've never heard of any of this, and it's it's a lot of lot of things as far as what I might be able to do. These are all invitations. They're not, hey, these are all the things you have to do next week. And if you don't, go to confession. And you're not a good Catholic if you don't. That's not what we're saying. But there are invitations, there are opportunities to really try to live our life in a way that that reflects Catholic culture. So. Yeah, and we want our homes ultimately, you know, not just if you're married, but any home is its own little domestic church. So yep. we should be living the liturgical year in our own little little church mm-hmm. that, that we have. We're so, a liturgical people. And that's where we pass on the faith primarily is, is through the family, yep. through the home. So. That's great. So Lisa, what's our first invitation? Our first invitation are it, well is a weekly invitation. We're given weekly invitations by the church. Their particular day set aside. And we're not, just so you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert on any of this. I, I'm sure there are people who have um, studied this through and through. 
this is more um, my own study or research that's that's not necessarily like thorough. So if I say something liturgically incorrect or I miss a you know a, a detail, don't be surprised. It, th- this is just from my own years of doing this in our family and in our home is kind of where I'm drawing from. So yeah, and nor do we probably. Uh, know it perfectly or even practice it perfectly it's not like when we look at every week or every day it's like oh well we had this thing and we're always you know these are Mm -hmm. invitations for us and we just try to enter into them as much as we can yeah that's a good caveat to start so the first thing is every week during the week on friday the church has dedicated in that day towards the passion and the invitation that's given to us is to enter into the passion every friday and to remember and recall that so it used to be that everybody gave up meat on every friday that was the standard pre-Vatican II. Except during Easter? Uh, possibly. Yeah. See, there you go. This tells you. We, I don't know every little detail of everything. Um, but we've forgotten that Friday is a day to, to give up something. And that's one way that the church is inviting us to enter into this liturgical year. So every Friday, um, we, as a family, we don't during Easter season because it's a great season of feasting. Um, but throughout the rest of the year, we always either give up meat or desserts on Friday. Mm-hmm. It's just one simple way to remind ourselves we live in a different rhythm. We have a different cycle. Friday, we're remembering the passion. Yep. And in a time where our secular culture is like, hey, it's almost a weekend. Get excited. <laughs> you know? And so it's like we want to have more dessert or we want to, you know, it's like, no, this is the day when our, our Lord died. And we do remember that because that's how we view the world and we view our faith is through his sacrifice. Yes. And then every Saturday, the church invites us. Is Saturdays are dedicated to Mary. And this is a great time to remember our mother. Um, so maybe that's a day where if you aren't typically praying the rosary every day, maybe you just try to do it on Saturday in honor of Our Lady. Um, you know, there's different ways that you can you can approach that day. Um, and then, of course, on Sunday, we have a weekly invitation on Sunday, which is the Sabbath. And we could probably do a whole episode on the Sabbath, and maybe we, we will one day. Um, but it's just a great reminder to ourselves of does Sunday look different? Because it should. It should look radically different than the rest of the days of the week. And the example that I love to think about with what does it look like to radically live the Sabbath are the Hasidic Jews. And Kevin, you know more on this. So maybe I'll let you explain a little bit how the Jews would work. Well, I mean, yeah, they took the Sabbath incredibly, and, they, and many of them do today, just incredibly um I guess stringent or like it was so important that they just had a lot of rules and regulations around it. So uh, they would ask themselves questions like how many yards could I um, walk that day to not do work or how could I not create things? Cause the Lord stopped creating on the seventh day. So I don't want to create things or um, can I, can I take my donkey and walk him to get water or not? Like, is that okay? I mean, they just, they really wanted to make sure their lives and their time reflect the days and so that they live out what the Lord wants them to live out. And we don't want to be legalistic about it. That's not what we're suggesting. But yeah. I think it's it shows you how seriously the Sabbath was taken in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, part of the problem, part of the things that Jesus would address. is like you're just all about the rules and you're not even understanding the meaning behind them. Um, but I think it, it's, it's interesting to look at that and say, wow, they really took the Sabbath seriously. Do I even think about the Sabbath besides maybe did I go to mass today or does Sunday just look like another Saturday and it's a day to do laundry and a day to catch up on housework um, or mow the lawn or whatever or can we say no Sunday we're going to set this aside it's going to be a day where we rest like the Lord does and it's so good for us and so necessary for us just as humans to have a day I love my Sabbath I it's we don't do work on Sunday unless there's you know 
rare situations where we we have to, but then we we try to take Monday off, or you know, we try to take another day if we have to do something on Sunday, which does happen. And I spoke as missionaries from time to time. Um, it's just part of the schedule. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's just a good question to challenge us. An invitation that that we've been given is how do you spend your Sabbath? Yeah. And and again, another situation where the secular culture has a different calendar, and we don't even realize this, but you know, traditionally a week was, you know, six days of working and then you had the Sabbath off. Like any medieval Christian, that's the way they viewed the calendar. Today we have a weekend. And I love the line from Downton Abbey. I think it's in season one. It's from the, the Dowager. The Dowager, yeah. Um, she at one point in time says, what is a weekend? You know, and, her, her, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a, such a striking line because she's, it's probably 1920s. And yeah, and someone's talking about the weekend and she's like, what are you even talking about? Yeah, like that, the, the, the idea of a weekend, these two days in which you just kind of relax and do the same thing both days is a modern invention. And it's only really been in the last hundred years that time is broken up that way. Whereas uh, a Christian sees the calendar traditionally as six days of work and then that day, that that's the Sabbath. So again, it's not like this crazy calendar change, but it does orient the way you look at life and just trying to make sure, all right, that Sunday is special. And that's, that's a day I want to look different than every other day of the week, including the day before Saturday. Yes, exactly. Great. So that was our first invitation, just looking at the weekly calendar, how we could live that out uh, best. And now we want to look at our hacks and highlights. And I have the first hack um, for us. And it comes from a listener, Becky uh, Dev. I don't know if I'm saying Becky, your, your last name correctly, but your Twitter handle is Becky underscore mom of four, which is the number four. And she gave us this great hack, which is watching our Lord in the Eucharist online. And it comes from Aquinas College in Nashville. And the website is AquinasChapelCam.AquinasCollege.edu. There's some other things there, but I think that that address will get you there. And it's really interesting. You can actually, um, they have a camera on their chapel, in particular on our Lord and the monsters that you could watch at any hour of any day. So if you're sick and you're in bed and you can't make it to mass and you just really, or you're just at a moment where like you just want to see the presence of our Lord, um, obviously kind of like messes with your mind physically. Like, is he there with you? If you see him on a camera, <laughs> yeah. like I don't have the answer to these questions, but what I do know is that when we see the Lord in the monsters, it can be really encouraging. Um, especially in those times where we can't make it to the chapel. So, um, yeah, just something to, th- to think about, a little Catholic hack for you, uh, something you can do to, yeah. to see the Lord's presence. I, I love that because there are times where, especially, I think, um, for those of us who are in the vocation of motherhood, you can't get to the chapel. You've got your kids, but pull them up online for just a minute. Like, I just need to, mom's going to be, <laughs> you know, yeah. mommy needs a timeout. Like, great, okay, go pull up, pull up this website and just with just look Jesus in the eye, like you're there. I see you. Yep. Just need you to regroup me for a minute. Um, any of those moments that, you know, we can't, or at the office, you know, like you can't just leave the office, but that coworker's driving you crazy. Like just get Jesus up on your computer for a minute yep. <laughs> and you're good to go. So yep. excellent hack. Thank you so much, Becky. And we want to highlight today as well. Um, Becky's podcast that she does with her friend Heather. I thought this was just too fitting. The Go Forth podcast. It is such a fun podcast. Becky and Heather are two moms. They live in Nebraska and they just do a podcast together on going forth. How do we live our Catholic life? And recently I got to be a guest on the show. So we'll put a show note link there for the episode I did with them talking about 
um, well, the book Dating Detox, but also how do you parent in this culture? Um, you know, when it comes to, to sexuality and to hmm. chastity and all of that, we talked about kind of that aspect of it. How do you, how do you deal with this as a parent? How do you lead your kids to, to having, um, lives that, that give them the freedom to love and be loved. So uh, check out the Go Forth podcast. We'll make sure to have that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you for that highlight. And just a reminder, if you have a Catholic hack, go ahead and email us at hello at made to magnify.com or you can always reach us on Twitter, Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter and with no E for Lisa. All right. Well, to get back to our invitations today, we're talking about ordinary time. We're talking about three invitations from the church to grow in our faith during ordinary time. Ordinary time green is for the growing time. time. And uh, Lisa, why don't you walk us through our next invitation? Our next invitation are the monthly invitations that we are given. Um, I think this is kind of a little um, lost or not as known piece of the Catholic Church, but we all know in our secular culture that there are certain months where we kind of focus on things. So February is Black History Month or October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And a lot of us know that you see it in our stores, you know, the way that they advertise or you see it on um, the reason they just pulled up uh, Spotify came up and they were celebrating some month and they made a playlist for that month. Um, But it's interesting because we as Catholics have been doing this, I'm pretty sure longer than our culture has been doing this, yeah, our, sure. our secular culture. Yep. <laughs> Pretty sure. Every month in the Catholic Church is dedicated to something. It's the month of for for whatever it is. And I, I think that we um, lose that in, in our world today. And so most of us maybe know that October is the month of the rosary. Perhaps you know that. But did you know that January is the month of the Holy Name? Or St. Joseph's month is March? Or in August, it's the month of the Blessed Sacrament. And so it's easy to forget these invitations, but what the church is trying to say to us is, hey, here are 12 things that we think are really important to contemplate on. 12 things that we want to make sure every year we spend some time thinking about. Um, And obviously we're not going to see, you know, during um, the month of St. Joseph, like, you know, a display for St. Joseph products and and such in Target. Um, but I think it would be cool if our Catholic bookstores, you know, yeah. had like a display for each month that was going on. Or if we, in our home, we have a family altar and I try to set out things that go with that month. So maybe I'll put out that statue of St. Joseph in a prominent spot during the month of of March or maybe um, the month of Holy Souls is in November. That's a great time to display on our family altar those pictures of our family who have passed away and we remember them during that month. And so it's just a, it's just a great time to think about, well, how can I, with the heart of the church, do something special during this month to honor that, that piece that the church is saying every year we need to spend time contemplating. Yeah. I mean, the rhythms of the seasons, the rhythms of the calendar gives us great moments to enter into the life of the church. And yeah as you set forth those things and the church presents those things to us, we cannot just mark the time by, oh, it's fall and there's leaves or it's spring. It's football season. Yeah, it's football <laughs> season, right? I mean, that's that's naturally how we think and it's not evil, but there's there's an even holier way to, to do that, um, which is really key. I think as humans, we just love, we love to mark time. I mean, it's just a human mm-hmm. nature in the church and it's in her wisdom is tapping into that desire we have to to mark time, uh, and we can do that in in bad ways. We can do that in neutral ways, or we can do that in holy ways. These are invitations just to to help us 
have those opportunities for greater holiness to, to enter into the de- devotions in probably a new way or in a, in a way that consistently reminds us throughout the year. And, and when normally we go, oh, I don't know. I haven't ta- thought about St. Joseph ever. Well, the church thinks it's really important. So that's why it's a chance March, to do that. Get on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And one, one fun thing on calendar, St. Joseph's Day in Italy is also Father's Day, which is kind of like a fun tie-in, right? Like, so, again, as you're remembering mm-hmm. fathers, you're also remembering St. Joseph and the model he gives to us. Um, that Italian Catholic culture put those two things together. America, we separate them. Yeah. And this is actually a perfect tie-in to the next invitation, which is feast days. Yeah. Number feast three. Days. Yeah. Celebrating our feast days. Um you know, in the Catholic Church, it's funny if you pull up like a liturgical calendar or a feast day calendar. There's something to celebrate every day, and not just one thing. There's typically twelve. There's because, like twenty-seven saints that yeah, in that one day. day. Yeah, yeah, because we have so many saints now, and everybody gets their own feast day. So it's yep. it's pretty incredible. It's pretty exciting to be Catholic. You can celebrate every day. Um, but the way that the Church breaks down these feast days. Uh, there's a kind of an order of hierarchy or an order of importance with celebrating. So maybe you've seen this on your calendar that you get from your your church. Um, they do like italicized for the optional and then like bold for the feast. And the solemnities are like extra bold or something. Um, but so we've got first we've got our memorials, which are either obligatory or optional. And usually the mm-hmm. calendar denotes that. And the thing with memorials is oftentimes those are more regional. So it might be a saint that comes from your area or your town or your country um, that that's more regionally celebrated. Or if it's like uh, you have a priest from a particular order. So we have a Franciscan priest here at the focus office. So sometimes he'll celebrate that Franciscan saints feast day. Or when we're at Benedictine college, we would celebrate Benedictine saints when normally people are like, Oh, that's an option. I'm not Benedictine. So I'm not going to celebrate that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So these are, these are optional and where you really see these come through is in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. In the Mass, you'll see differences in the way that the Mass is celebrated based upon what type of a feast day it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are our our memorials. And then we have our feast days. And the feast days then are, are for everybody. They're always for everybody, and they're not optional. They're, um, they're, they're always celebrated. Too. So every Catholic church will be celebrating this particular feast day in the liturgy that day. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, we've got these these memorials and these feast days. It's part of our culture um, in the Catholic world. But it used to be not just something that was on your little calendar, but it was how you celebrated. You celebrated with the rhythms of mm-hmm. the feast days. And so Kevin was talking earlier about how you used to work six days and then you just had one day off. Well, it sounds like, well, that's a bunk deal. Yeah. <laughs> like you're always working. I, I like modern life better than medieval life. Yeah, that's, yeah. They didn't take time off. But what we don't realize is they had 52 days, mm-hmm. something around there, of feast days that were taken off. So you wouldn't always have Saturday off, but you'd have a random day pretty much every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, on you average know, once a week, yeah. Yeah, because you'd also have like eight days for Christmas and eight days for Easter. But you would have days off where that is how you celebrated. And that the it was the liturgical calendar that dictated your seasons of feasts and when you would take those days off. And now it's our secular calendar that does it. So we have, you know, in the United States, we have certain um, government holidays, and that's you know, the cue that our world has taken. So everybody takes off the government holidays, even if they're not a government employee. Yep. Um, so everybody takes off Memorial Day. Not that these are bad things to celebrate or to contemplate. Obviously, something like Memorial Day is, is very worthy of being a day dedicated um, off to 
to contemplate, um, but people just have barbecues. They don't really contemplate. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. And neither here nor there. The point is, is that the secular world has taken over the way that we celebrate. And there's something in us that wants to celebrate. And so that's why we have to make up days like Donut Day and Best Friends Day, which was not too long ago, yep. and Siblings Day, because there's something that just needs to have traditions yep. and needs to have annual things to celebrate. And so we make up stuff because we, as a society, are getting rid of the holy feast days. I feel like National Donut Day is like three times a year. Like it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, again, I mean, I like donuts, but okay, it's donut, you know, and it's obviously a lot of it's just done by consumerism. Like people yeah. want to sell donuts, so then they'll make up National Donut and Day. And so it's or, Donut Day or yeah, Coffee Day or whatever or day. Yeah, uh, they want to. Yeah, whatever it might be. Yeah, so much of our holiday and feasting in the secular world is consumer-driven, yep. which is sad. Even, you know, how much is monetized off of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yep. And when you do the research, you find out not very much of it is actually going to breast cancer research. It's just a big cash cow. And it's sad. Yep. It's very sad. So our feast days, we really want to do what we can to preserve those and to remember those and to celebrate those, especially those that are important to us. So, for example, your patron saint's feast day. Mm-hmm. I, we celebrate our kids' feast days. That's just part of the family year. Our kids get excited like it's their birthday. We don't give them big presents, but they get to choose what we're going to have for dinner or we might go out or we do something to commemorate and they know when it's their feast day and they get excited about it. Yep. Um, and in some cultures, I think it's in the, the German culture, when you're older, you, have, you don't celebrate your birthday. Mm. You celebrate your feast day. That's oh, wow. the annual year where you celebrate your life is on the annual time of year is on your actual feast day. So... Given that you're actually named after a Catholic person and can celebrate that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, and if you don't have a Catholic name, if your parents named you something that, you know, you might have to stretch to choose, choose one yourself or. (laughs) Maybe your confirmation name. Yeah. That should be a saint. That's true. Yeah. And usually there's a derivative somewhere back there um, Mm -hmm. that you can find some way of some kind of a saint. So. Absolutely. There you go. All right. So we have, we had, we talked about optional memorials and then obligatory memorials. Then just now we talked about feast days. Last one, Yes, and the highest is our solemnities, right? So the solemnities, sometimes these are holy days of obligation, um, and they used to all be holy days of obligation, but that's no longer the case. In fact, we float a lot of our solemnities to Sundays because, um, I don't know, we the church doesn't think we don't want to try to make people go, go to yeah. Mass on Ascension Thursday, so we move it to Sunday. Right, exactly. Um, which, yeah, loses our culture, in my opinion. Um, but, so we've got... Um, you know the these solemnities, these these high feast days, many of which are obli- are you know obligations, uh, holy days of obligation. Um, but also, we don't always recognize that every Sunday is a solemnity. Mm-hmm. During Easter and Christmas, those octaves, those eight days of Easter and the eight days of Christmas, those are all solemnities. So these are the days where we should be at all costs feasting. We should not yep. be um, doing work during these days. We should it should be as if every day is a Sabbath, and and that's the way that we should be living our life. And obviously, that's difficult to do if you told your boss like. I'm just taking the eight days of Easter off. Yep. That's maybe not something you could do, but maybe could you plan your vacation during the Easter octave? Like, yep. is there a way that you could incorporate some of these days in, in, into into the natural rhythm of the church calendar? Um, other solemnities that we often see or that we do see, the Apostles' Feast Days are, are solemnities. Um, but there's other solemnities out there that people, I don't think, necessarily know about. So mm-hmm. we're going to close with sharing with you one upcoming solemnity. And just to give you a taste a little bit of what the culture used to look like, how they used to celebrate. So it's the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, and it's June 24th. 
which is very much around the corner. Yeah. And this is one of the most ancient feast days, ancient solemnities of the church. And it was kind of known as the summer Christmas because, well, there's six hmm. months between there. I like, um, I like Christmas in the summer. Yeah, it's six months away from Christmas Eve right there. Um, so why June 24th? Well, it was the, the time when they would demarcate that summer was starting. Mm-hmm. And the start of summer, they would celebrate it with... Um, remembering, you know, John the Baptist, his nativity. So when John the Baptist was born then, um, before Jesus, obviously. So it, it, it fits just liturgically wise. But also there's this cool tie-in that Jesus heralded in the light of the world. And here we are in summer in the, kind of this high time of the light when mm-hmm. when the sun is the most uh, bright. We get the most daytime light. And so what they would do is traditionally people would have a bonfire. And that was like the bonfire party day, which we've done before at our house. Yeah. We've had people over for a bonfire for the solemnity of St. John the Baptist, his nativity, which of course they think we're weird and we don't care. Um, we also celebrate St. Joseph's feast day with a party every year. That's our quote Christmas party every year. We yep. don't care. We're weird. It's fine. And traditionally people, they would decorate their door on the eve of St. John the Baptist with um, St. John's wort, which is after John the Baptist, um, with lilies and people would make lanterns. They would use this whole theme of light to decorate in it was really that was a summer solemnity feast day and nobody worked on that day and that's that's how they did it yeah you said saint john's wort yeah i don't what is w-o-r-t oh okay it's like a weed kind of oh okay but, Great. but it has like a yellow flower to it i'm pretty oh, sure nice. okay. people use it for like herbal remedies nowadays oh, cool. but um it was in abundance at that time of year so they would pick it and they would like decorate around their doorposts nice. to celebrate yeah. Again, how cool? Because like even a plant can remind you of something spiritual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I don't. Great. I don't know why they. I mean, it's after Saint John. That's the name of it. But I don't know why. So, anyways, it just it shows you what the culture used to look like, and you know, can we do some of those things? Can mm-hmm. you have a bonfire on June twenty fourth, which is I think is a Saturday? Can you do little things to remember those solemnities and and to put that into the breath of your year as opposed to donut day being the highlight of your year you know yep. can you bring back what is ours that is slowly being taken away and chipped at and overcome yeah so that was uh, our show today just want to give a little recap here as we close out we were talking about ordinary time three invitations from the church to grow in our catholic faith during this ordinary season the first one we looked at weekly invitations just in in the course of a week we have different moments, whether it's a, a Friday for our Lord, Saturday for, for Mary, or Sunday uh, as a Sabbath or Lord's Day that really uh, give us moments to tap into our faith. Uh, we looked at monthly invitations. The church throughout the year gives different themes for different months um, that help us understand the faith better and remind us of the faith that at particular moments uh, to think about for those 30 days, 30 or so days. And then finally, we looked at feast day invitations, uh, feast day being kind of a, a general term for solemnities, feasts, or, or memorials, just these moments in time where we can say, wow, let's look at this saint, let's look at this day and try to create meaning in our own life from it as well. So I love all those different invitations. Lisa, what's our how-to challenge this week for how we can enter into these invitations? We want to keep it pretty simple. So we're just going to invite you to pick one piece of one invitation and live it during this ordinary time. So yeah. just one piece, because we threw a lot at you and we don't, we're not trying to make anybody feel like I'm a bad Catholic because I didn't celebrate the Feast of St. Eulogius. Like, no, that's not yep. what we're saying. But can you pick just one piece of one invitation to help 
you live that liturgical year, to live in ordinary time, recognizing it's not just time off from from focusing on anything Catholic, but really allow it to be a season of growth. Um, that green is for the growing time. Green is for the growing time. That is our show today. Our one last thing is we're wondering if you could tell someone about our podcast. In particular, we think it'd be fun if you told your mom about our <laughs> podcast. We Yo, mama. Think, we just think that'd be great. You like your mom. We like your mom. We thought, hey, one great way to to build relationships with people is to listen to the same things that you do or listen to the same things together. So Lisa and I listen to Audible books together. Why don't you, you know, look at iTunes, pick out an episode that you think your mom would like and send it to her and say, hey, mom, I listen to this podcast. I think you like this episode. Check it out. You might have to give her a tutorial on how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> that might have to be the case. That is true. Um, but we just think that that'd be a fun tip. So thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Be saints. It's worth it. 